Hi, Mystery Knox listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Mary. For today's case, we are going to tell you all about a German family who were mysteriously murdered on their farm in 1922. It's been almost 100 years to the day. This is the case of the Hinterkaifeck murders. This case involves abuse against children and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. So, Mary, we are back after a while. (laughs) Oh, yep. I was looking at the stories. Sorry. So how do you feel about being back, Mary? Back to the podcast. I don't know. I started feeling antsy. Like, when when did I send you a message? A few weeks ago? Uh, Yeah, a few weeks ago. I was like, when are we going to do this shit? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And And you're like, like, I'm busy right now. I can't. And I was like, okay. So when are we going to do it, though? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because originally this case was supposed to be Uh, out in October. Yeah. And then we're going to take a break. And then uh, we got busy. We're busy, man. But anyway, yeah. So things happened. You know, life. I got really busy. Well, I still am busy, but we are making time for the podcast, which is awesome because I'm excited to be back. And I just want to give a shout out to Jennifer for reaching out to us and kind of giving us a kick in the booty (laughs) to also get back. Um, And, uh, you know, that just brought a smile to our faces. So thank you, Jennifer. This case was really interesting. Obviously, we're going to get into it in a minute, but I still don't know what to think about who or what mm-hmm. <laughs> without giving too much away yeah it's I, I i don't i can't really talk because it'll be like certain things will be given right. away that's how i feel like it's it's right mind-boggling i don't know it is yeah well we can talk more about it at the end i suppose but yeah it's just uh it was interesting i will say it's interesting it's weird and um yeah I'm excited to get into it and have you guys listen to it. So before we get into it, Mary, do you have any snacks or drinking? (laughs) Any snacks I'm drinking? I I mean, (laughs) that came out wrong. That came out wrong. We're keeping it. Do you have any snacks (laughs) or are you drinking anything? Any snacks I'm drinking? Um, Yep. You heard me. (laughs) No, I just got, I just got water. Okay. Well, I got my water, my coffee. Um, I'm ready to go. Mary also has cough drops, so what? You know, she's she's toughing through this. <laughs> you know, she has a little cough, so she's pulling through so that we can get this episode out to you guys. That that is not that's irrelevant. Okay, <laughs> no, it's true. It's allergies. Good job, it's Mary. Fine. <laughs> it's not like I have COVID. Watch next week. Oh, we're going to be out for a few more weeks. Mary is COVID. You're going to send me a text. Shit, I got COVID. <laughs> Unbeknownst to everyone else, a vicious crime had just occurred on March 31st, 1922 in Bavaria, Germany, 45 miles north of Munich at a secluded farm belonging to the Gruber family. Six people were living on the farm at the time of the murders, and all six were found dead. Andreas Gruber, 64 years old, and his wife Cecilia, 72 years old. 
their daughter Victoria, 35 years old, and her two children, Cecilia, sometimes referred to as Silly, who was seven years old, and Joseph, too, and Maria Baumgartner, 45 years old, the maid who was hired the day before. The town was known to be a small and quiet place, the farm they lived on even more secluded and quiet, the nearest neighbor being half a kilometer away, which is about a third of a mile for all of us Americans. Some people had even described Hinterkaifact as eerie. Everyone in the town kept to themselves, but none more so than the Grubers. They were a very private family, and they rarely interacted with others. Built in 1863, the farm was made up of an L-shaped building, consisting of the family's living quarters, the stables, the engine room, and the barn. The large yard featured, quote, well-cropped fields, livestock pastures, and a tool shed that also functioned as a laundry room and bakery, end quote. So we will have a picture of the farm up on the blog for you to look at. Even looking at the picture, I get the eerie feeling that many people talked about. What about you, Mary? Uh, can we bring have up... Have you seen the photo? Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've seen the photo. Do you have it on you? Yes. Hold on, I'll send it to you right now. Oh, dang. So it's really dug in there. Mm-hmm. What's with the numbers? I don't know. I'm thinking those maybe just are rooms. But when I did see the the house though it's like pretty much mm-hmm. on the road or at least near the road right there and it is a what a dirt road so not not much has changed in that aspect of pavement mm-hmm. but yeah the forest is not that far behind them either no it's not i can't believe they have photos i know like for some reason when i think about it i think you know like back in the day Yeah, they have photos of the crime scenes, too. Well, some of them. We'll put all these up on the blog for you guys to see. Where their house was, the woods behind them, was called Witch's Wood. Well, that's not creepy at all. Hinterkaifeck was owned by three generations of the Gruber-Gabriel family. That would be Andreas and his wife, Cecilia, their daughter, Victoria, and her two children, Cecilia and Joseph. Despite the family mostly staying to themselves, there were some unsavory rumors that spread around the town. It was rumored that Victoria and Andreas had an incestual relationship, but it was never proven until at the age of 16, Victoria admitted to a neighbor that she was being sexually assaulted by her father. After her two older sisters from her mother's first marriage moved away and left the farm, she was left alone with her abusive father and her mother. Victoria was described as tall, slim, and strong. She was a hard worker and did more than her fair share of work on the farm. She was also a part of the church choir, attending mass every Sunday and was the most social of her family. When Victoria turned 27, she married a man named Carl Gabriel. Victoria then inherited the farm, but Andreas and Cecilia stayed living with the couple. The relationship between Carl and Andreas was not great. Carl made complaints to some of his friends that Andreas bullied him sometimes even keeping meals from him. Which, by the way, like, what the fuck? (laughs) That's weird, right? That's like petty shit. It is weird. And I'm like, but why wouldn't... Because Carl is obviously younger and fitter and, like, why didn't he just be like, dude, you can't push me around. Like, I'm getting my food. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Or like, that's fine. Again, it was different times. Yeah. And maybe it was just all about respecting your elders, elders the in-laws and everything. So Fuck that. I'd go into town and buy food. Or hell, just make it in the kitchen. 
Right, but apparently men didn't cook back then. <laughs> yeah, I just found that to be... Weird. Yeah, it's kind of petty, but um, mm-hmm. hey, if that's in with the times... <laughs> there you go. Starve out your son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, for a day. A few weeks after the wedding, Carl wanted to move back home with his parents, but his parents were adamant that he make the relationship work. They reminded him that should the couple have children, Hinterkaifeck ownership would be transferred to his children. Carl ended up enlisting in the army less than four months into his and Victoria's marriage. He left while Victoria was pregnant with their first child, which ended up being their daughter, Cecilia. Unfortunately, Carl ended up dying in the line of duty. His daughter, Silly, was born one month later. A few months after Carl's death, Victoria and Andreas both spent time in jail for the accusations of an incestual relationship. Victoria spent one month in prison, and Andreas got one year. After they were released, they both went back to Hinterkaifeck and resumed their lives as if it never happened. When Victoria's second child, Joseph, was born in 1919, the birth certificate listed the initials L.S. as the father. People took this to assume that their neighbor, Lawrence Schlittenbauer? Schlittenbauer. Oh, that's another neat name. Just like Baumgartner. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I hope I got that right. Schlittenbauer was the father of Joseph. However, many people still thought Joseph was born from an incestual relationship between Victoria and her father. In November of 1920, the family hired a live-in maid named, and excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, but I couldn't find out how to actually pronounce it, so, Crescens Rigger. Putting more evidence to the fact that Andreas sexually assaulted Victoria, it's said that Crescens admitted overhearing Andreas tell her not to get remarried, and quote, that he would be hers for as long as he lived, end quote. She also stated she once walked into the barn and saw Victoria and her father engaged in sexual activity. Ten months into her employee, Crescens left her position at the farm. She believed the house was haunted, as she heard footsteps in the attic and voices, but Andreas always dismissed it as superstition. In the days leading up to the murders, Andreas had noticed strange things at the farm. Missing house keys and a Munich-based newspaper found on the property. No one subscribed to it. Andreas even asked the postman, and he didn't know how it got there. And speaking of newspapers, apparently Little Silly went missing for a few hours, and when she finally turned up, she had no recollection of where she had gone or how she had gotten there. It was this day that they noticed the newspaper on the table that didn't belong to the area. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So it's like, when they were all searching for her, it's like somebody went in and put the newspaper down or something really weird and like for her to not remember like did someone lead her yeah. out and when people went looking that person went in that's what it sounds like but i don't i don't know but we'll get more into details about like all that see weird like stuff yeah that went on. <laughs> but like that it's like did they know anyone from munich that's the other thing i mean yeah we'll get to that yeah. later but it's just like that's the question yeah yeah because it's kind of like maybe the person was like toying with them Mm -hmm. like here's a munich newspaper i'm from munich or something you know just like i could see like a person doing that like a crazy person like either they're from there or that they just picked it up from there and just throwing them off Mm Mm-hmm. lots of unanswered questions in this case on thursday march 30th andreas noticed a broken lock on the engine house which was attached to the farmstead andreas saw a set of footprints in the snow leading from the woods to the farm but none were found leading back to the woods 
Andreas mentioned all this information to his neighbor, Lorenz, but he stated he hadn't noticed anything suspicious. Lorenz offered to call the police and lend him his gun, but Andreas refused. Later that day, he noticed the cows were loose and running around. Andreas also heard pacing footsteps in the attic that night. He investigated, but only found straw scattered on the floor. While all this was happening, Victoria was out looking for a new maid. She eventually found Maria Baumgartner, scheduled to arrive on the farm the following day. On Friday the 31st, while Silly was at school, Andreas did a sweep of the farmhouse, searching for the cause of the noises the night before. He unfortunately found nothing that could be the cause of these weird occurrences. The next day, Saturday, April 1st, people started noticing how quiet the Hennerkaifeck farm was. Saturday was typically a busy day for the family, but some merchants noticed the place looked empty. They informed the neighbors up the road that the place looked deserted. Cecilia was also absent from school that day. On Sunday, neighbors waited for some of the family to walk to church, but no one came, so they ended up leaving without them. On Monday, no one greeted the postman, and he became suspicious. He looked through the windows of the house, but saw no one. Then on Tuesday, April 4th, a mechanic arrived for an appointment to repair an engine. No one answered the front door, and there was no smoke coming from the chimney. A dog barking from inside the house could also be heard. He went ahead and fixed the engine in the tool shed by himself for the next four hours. When he was done, the mechanic noticed a previously closed door was now open, and the dog that he had heard was outside, tied to a tree. The mechanic assumed someone had come home, but he was confused as to why someone hadn't talked to him. So he went up the road and informed the neighbors about the weird occurrence. Finally! And I put finally because it's been like four days yeah. <laughs> that nobody has checked on them. Finally, the neighbors became worried enough to send their sons to take a look at the farm. When they arrived, they noticed all the doors were locked except the door to the engine room, and the farm was completely silent except for the mooing of the cows. The men forced their way into the engine room. There was a second door in there that led to the barn, but it had been barricaded shut on the other side from a beam. Be that as it may, they forced their way in. When the men stepped inside the barn, the scene they came across was absolutely horrifying. After the break, we will dive into details about the murders, the investigation, and the theories surrounding this baffling case. Stay with us. Now back to the case. As the men stumbled their way into the barn, the first body they discovered was that of Andreas Gruber. His foot was sticking out of the straw when they first noticed him, and Lorenz decided to pull the body out of the hay. Once the body was uncovered, the men could see clearly that Andreas was in fact dead. He was, quote, dressed in trousers and an undershirt. His face was covered in blood, and he had suffered significant head injuries, end quote. Along with the head injuries, his face was severely injured. He had wounds so large they had exposed his cheekbones. Jacob and Michael, the other two men that had accompanied Lorenz, stumbled out of the barn after seeing this but Lorenz stayed behind. He had noticed three other bodies buried underneath the hay. After further inspection by Lorenz, he realized that three other bodies were those of Victoria, Cecilia, and Silly. They all had severe head wounds, just like Andreas. Victoria and Cecilia were both still wearing their workday clothes, while little Silly was wearing a nightgown. It was stated that one of the women had strangulation marks on her neck, but different sources said different women, so I can't be sure if it was Victoria or her mother, Cecilia. Just like Lorenz did with Andreas, he ended up moving Silly's body to an area with better lighting. Jacob noticed what Lorenz was doing and he told him to stop and to wait for the police, but Lorenz refused. 
He told Jacob he was, quote, looking for my son, end quote. Two-year-old Joseph and the maid were nowhere to be found in the barn. So Lorenz made his way to the adjoining stables. While in there, he noticed something peculiar. The family dog was inside and tied up, but just hours earlier, the mechanic had told him the dog was tied up outside. The dog also had a wound above his eye and was wary of the men when they approached. Lorenz continued to the door that led to the family's living quarters. It was unlocked. Lorenz searched the house and finally found Joseph's bassinet in Victoria's bedroom, covered with a woman's skirt. When Lorenz pulled the skirt aside, he found Joseph dead. The toddler had severe head wounds. After locating Joseph, Lorenz unlocked the side door and let the other two men in. When he was questioned about how he had a key to the door, Lorenz stated it was left in the door. Lastly, they found the body of Maria in her bedroom. She was found on the floor, her head facing the bed, in a large pool of her own blood. She was still in her normal clothes and heavy street shoes. It looked like she hadn't even had time to unpack her things before she was murdered. When she was found, she had a feather bed over her, which can sometimes indicate remorse or guilt. The same with Joseph, as he was found covered with a skirt. After discovering the bodies, Jacob and Michael ran to the nearest town to raise alarm, while Lorenz stayed in the house. Quote, as with all close-knit pastoral communities, news of the horrific scene spread rapidly. Locals quickly arrived at the farmstead. They walked around the crime scene, poking at the bodies and destroying the evidence. End quote. The local police arrived around 6 p.m. that night, but the police from Munich didn't arrive until the next day. Lorenz was still at the farm when they arrived, looking after the animals. So technically, the Munich police did get there the same day, but they arrived at night, so it was too late to investigate. Um, they decided to stay at the mayor's house and investigate in the morning. Just FYI. When police interviewed Lorenz and questioned him about moving the bodies, his statement was that he saw something sticking out of the hay, not realizing what it was at first, but then took notice it was Andreas's foot. He proceeded to move the bodies of Andreas and Silly so that he could look for his son Joseph. After realizing he wasn't there, he made his way back to the house. According to hinterkaifeck.net, quote, Silly was the only victim who survived the immediate attack, probably by a few hours. Heinrich Ney, who had kept records at the section for the Newburgh Public Prosecutor's Office, testified 31 years later that, according to the autopsy doctor, Silly could have been saved if she had been found in time. End quote. Autopsy revealed that she had been alive for several hours after, as they found that she had clumps of her own hair in her hands to, quote, suggest that she had torn out her own hair in distress before dying of shock. End quote. Autopsies were performed on the bodies of the Gruber family and Maria to see what evidence could be found, if any. It was during this process that their heads were removed and sent to Munich where it said that, quote, clairvoyants were employed to seek out metaphysical clues from the Gruber family and Maria's skulls, end quote. No evidence was produced from this method. Well, I would assume not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they removed their skulls. No. Why would that be a thing? I don't know. See, that's I've what... I've never heard of that before. Yeah, and that's what bugged me. It's like, why would you need to remove the heads when normally psychics would go to, like, you know, the place? Right. That doesn't make sense. Unless it's, like, a, a thing back then. I don't know. So did they ever get the heads back? No. They actually lost to it. To be buried? No. Are you serious? Mm. Mm-hmm. They lost their heads? Yeah, they blamed it on the war, that there was a lot going on, and, and so they were misplaced somehow. Oh my god. That you No, know, yep, yeah, that's... Uh, I can't believe that. So they, they're just buried them without their heads? Mm-hmm. That is... That, I, okay, I just can't believe that. How do you lose six heads? Okay, well, anyway, that's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
It wouldn't be until a year later that they found the murder weapon. Quote, the tool used in the murders was most likely a mattock, a pickaxe-like tool used for digging, end quote. Speculation at first pointed towards a drifter, though that was dismissed. They also omitted the fact that it was a robbery since cash was found on site and in the open. Had it been a robbery, they would have taken the cash and other items in the house. Although someone did say that they wouldn't have taken any of the, like the jewelry or much items in the house because it wasn't of value. Like oh, really? The jewelry the mother had and probably Victoria. Um, they they called they compared it to like peasant jewelry, which hmm. I I don't know what that is. I'm you know to me it's just jewelry, same thing. But right, um, same. The fact that they were like, no, no one would steal from them anyway. They don't have anything. I was like, damn. <laughs> okay. That's harsh. Yeah. Andreas was not well liked by the community, so suspects in this aspect didn't make it easier to pinpoint as to who would have done it. Authorities ended up interviewing over a hundred people that could possibly be suspects, but there was no sufficient evidence to convict anyone. There is a theory that it could have been Victoria's late husband, Carl Gabriel. Even though he was killed on December 12, 1914 in the war, many have speculated that he faked his death to come back to kill Victoria and the rest of her family so he can claim the farm. He had previously stated that he wanted to inherit Hinterkaifecht once Andreas had died, and that was the sole reason why he and Victoria got married. The most logical suspect would have been their next-door neighbor, Lorenz Schlittenbauer, because Lorenz wanted to marry Victoria, but Andreas wouldn't allow it, which many believe that that was enough reason for the murder. However, Schlittenbauer had his own farm to run and sources have said that he was there the entire time and would have noticed if he was gone, let alone living on the Hinterkaifeck farm for four days. Plus, having one farm is hard enough. So, what do you, uh, what do you think? Honestly, I, I don't know. But the most, I guess, logical uh, suspect that I would think would be Lorenz, mm -hmm. just because of, of all the evidence and... Um, how he felt about Victoria and Andreas. And um, so, I mean, if I had to pick something, I would say it was it was Lorenz. But, you know, there's stuff for that. But then again, there's also stuff that that's against that theory, like you just said. Like, how could he have lived there for four days? I you think, know, his family would have noticed he was missing. I think that's the only thing, like that he had his own farm. He had to do that. Right. But did he have help? Did he have you know, any family helping him or any other person or persons, because who knows? Yeah, that I don't know. Well, and also, I mean, his family could have been covering up, like maybe he wasn't there all the time and they're just like, oh yeah, he was here. You know what yeah, I cause mean? Because it's a farm and it's a um, lot of work. It's a lot of time. So he could have been, uh, you know, tending to the horses or the cows when he was really next door mm -hmm. killing people. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And then the other thing I think that is a negative for him is that killing his son. I, I mean, obviously I've heard of parents killing their kids. It's unfortunately not uncommon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just like how he felt about his son. Unless that was all an act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he also didn't claim that he was his son for like the longest time. Well, if she was, you know sleeping around and not just with the dad because it was not known but it was mentioned that she might have had like more than a couple people that she was sleeping with so um mm, he could have okay. been like 
that could be mine, but that's also not mine, but who knows, really? Right. Because that wasn't... It was mentioned in a couple articles, but not enough to really mention it for it to be factual. Right. And then, obviously, back then in 1922, they didn't have DNA and all that stuff mm-hmm. to actually be like, yep, he's yours. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's really no that no way they would have known mm-hmm. for sure. It is sketchy though, like him being the neighbor. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like the first thing. If not right, like Andy's with, so close. Yeah, if not like within the family, because they always say that it's, you know someone you know. If not, yeah, you know, then someone close to the family. And then um, yeah, like there's like several things. Him moving the bodies and that key. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the key was another one where I was like, wait, you just happen to find the key in the door. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be there. And then um, one thing that wouldn't point in his favor, if that's the right word, the footprints in the snow mm-hmm. um, was like in a whole other direction from his house. Unless he's taken the long way around, which I think would be a little bit excessive for this thing. But this, the whole knocking yeah. and then voices and the, and the footsteps, that went on for six months, too. Yeah, that's true. So, um, and I don't think that he could have... Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on how determined he was, if it was actually him. Mm -hmm. But doing, you know, keeping that up for six months and always staying hidden, that would be hard to do. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I agree. So I don't know. I agree on that. Yeah. Especially if, like, I think you had said earlier, when um, the maid would have heard footsteps or something and she told Andreas, and he went and checked real quick, and there's nothing there in the attic. Yeah. Either there's um, a way to get in between the walls or some other quick getaway. I mean, that's... I don't know. But that's weird, though. It is. So do you think any of the noises was paranormal? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Because, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it, I mean, I, I think that would be, like, the easiest, like, go-to. Like, yeah, it was paranormal. It was a ghost. But mm-hmm. I, in this case, I don't think so. Yeah, you think it was a person. I think it I was. Think so I don't know who. Like, yeah. Lorenz, obviously, is, I like, a either. key suspect. But there's also right. a lot of people, as we've discussed, that, they didn't like yeah. this family, and they didn't get along with this right. family, and they wanted nothing to do with this family. The investigations never went further into why people didn't like them, other than the obvious ancestral stuff. So we only know what we know right huh. now. Right. Now, this is still an open case, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because I think they opened it, what, in 2007? Yeah, I believe it was 2007, to try to, <laughs> to, try to solve it, but... Honestly, I don't... Like, how do you solve a case that old? No, That'd be hard I'm to do. I'm sure there have been cases that have been solved, but this one, I don't even know, because I think you would need, Mm-mm. like, physical evidence. Right, and, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, the crime scene was just totally obliterated. Like, that you know? Boggled, why would you... Unless you have something to hide, maybe? I don't know, but in general, why would you just poke around the bodies and... and... Unless they're just really yeah. nosy people, like, oh, just making sure or seeing what's up. I don't know. But still, I wouldn't want to touch them, the bodies. No. I wouldn't want to go. And I, I don't know. Like, I feel like was back in 1922, was it not known that, like, you need to preserve evidence around the crime scene? I feel like that should have been known, but maybe it wasn't. I should think that'd be common sense, but. Well, you would think, yeah. But then here's all these neighbors just, like, coming in and going into the kitchen and <laughs> looking at the bodies. And I'm like, what? And I even think I heard or I read on one of the sites that um, one of the neighbors made himself a sandwich in the kitchen. What? Yeah. I read that on one of the sites. I'm like, wait, what? That's, I, nope. Yeah. 
I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's disgusting. Yeah, I know. So anyway. But, I mean, depending what you do on a farm, that could be the least of anything. <laughs> yeah. It's been 100 years since this horrible crime was committed, and it's still unsolved to this day. The Hinterkaifeck farm has since been demolished, and in its place stands a memorial for the family and for Maria. I'm not sure if we will ever know the truth about who or what killed the Gruber family and the maid Maria that night. What I hope is that they are all resting in peace. Except for that asshole Andreas. He can burn. All right, Mystery Knox listeners, that's it for our case today. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we love to hear your ideas and or theories on this case, so let us know on our Instagram and Facebook at Mystery Knox Podcast. On Twitter, at Mystery Knox Pod, or send us a voice message on anchor.fm slash Mystery Knox Podcast. A list of our sources can be found on our blog at mysteryknoxpodcast.wordpress.com. Your support is always appreciated, so if you enjoyed what you've heard, Please let us know by giving us a rating on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll see you on our next episode, and remember, stay weird, stay curious. Just be like flubbergasted worms. Just kidding, I don't know. What? I don't know what that means. I don't know. I just said it. Okay, I just, I just, I don't know. Mary's gone off the deep end, y'all. It's this turmeric chai tea that Kim told me to drink. She said it was good. I did not tell you. She did. She did.